You're listening to the Pioneering Today podcast with Melissa K. Norris, where we talk about all things inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots. And I'm really excited. Today is the kickoff of our 30-day preparedness challenge. And so this podcast is part of that. And we're starting off with eight items that you need in your car. So I totally have to confess something. I've really never been much of a reader or follower of the whole bug out bag thing or that movement. If things get really bad due to natural disasters, government failure, or some other unknown catastrophe, I plan on staying in my home. I think that where we are, we'll be far better off at our home, even without power or support from the outside world. We're fairly self-sufficient as is, and we've went two weeks without power during a winter mudslide before and smaller periods every year. We know our neighbors. I grew up with over half of them, and I really do believe that having a community of people who will support one another is far better than hiding out somewhere all on your own. Now, I realize that my scenario isn't the same for everybody, so just stay with me here for a minute if that is not you. I live really rurally. You might live in the middle of the city, and this is where everybody has to take a look at their own situation and their own scenario and decide what is truly best for them and their family because, honest to goodness, preparedness and self-sufficiency is never one size fits all. So you always kind of have to look at where you and your family are at and make decisions from there. In light of this revelation, I have never put too much energy into a bug out location and stocking said location. And then we had the summer that we just had. (laughs) Uh, We were in the most severe drought that Washington State had ever had since they began recording the weather in the 1890s here. So pretty much the worst drought drought ever here. Um, Glory to be, I have an update that we were just blessed with three days of rain and not a moment too soon. Um, It's put out, we had a wildfire that was about 20 miles from our home and it was at 0% containment in in about 24 to 48 hours, it went to over 66% containment because of the rain. So true blessing Um, to us and answer to prayer. Thank you to everybody who were praying for us and the whole Northwest that um, was literally going up in flames. So, but prior to that, because the rain just started, (laughs) we had had no rain. And because normally the area that we live in in the Pacific Northwest is drenched for most of the year, we don't have things in place like irrigation. Water has just always been an abundant resource here. And then we entered August. And our state actually was declared a state of national emergency due to how many wildfires they were and the severity of them. And if you looked at a map, it was really creepy because it, when you looked at the map of all of the fires that were actively burning, it basically looked like the entire state was ablaze. And I know it wasn't just us. I know Idaho, Oregon, parts of California, Montana were in there. Um, lightning has been the cause of most of the fires here. There have been loss of homes and loss of life. Unfortunately, three firefighters died um, while they were fighting the blaze that was on the other side of the mountain pass from us. So 25 miles from us, which is about two towns over, we had a lightning strike and that fire gained strength. It jumped the river and the road, which caused the evacuation of one town, part of another, and shut down the highway My brother was working on the fire, and he sent me photos, and I have to tell you, I've never seen anything like it in person. We had smoke that was blanketing our 
homestead. We sit in a gorgeous little valley. It's at the foot of the mountain, and the Cascade Mountain Range just literally swirls around us. We're right right in the thick of them. But the smoke was so thick that it blocked the mountains completely from view. We couldn't even see them. You know, I had, it looked like it was snowing, but it was little bits of ash. And we were driving home from church. The visibility was so bad that we couldn't even see the next turn. It was like driving in the worst fog that you've ever seen, except it was like lung stinging, hacking smoke. Thankfully, though, after two days, that wind shifted and it cleaned out most of the smoke. But then another fire in the town that I work, I work in a town 18 miles from where we live, sparked up. And so I tell you all of this, um, not, um, you know, to, to make you worry because things are definitely better here, but it made me realize that I needed to have some type of things prepared in the order of an evacuation. You'd have thought that I would have realized this a month ago when I was in the middle of the city with our truck picking up a ton of pig feed and my truck broke down and we were stranded for an hour um, on the road in the 80 plus degree temperatures waiting for the tow truck. Sometimes, apparently, it takes me a little bit longer to grasp certain things, so I hope that I am not alone in this. If you're a typical American, then you spend probably quite a bit of time in your rig. Like I said, I commute eight miles one way to work, so over and over 30 miles to get to the nearest large town or shopping area. So the chances of being in a vehicle when an emergency strikes is actually pretty high. So... I have eight items that you need in your car. So these are the very first things that you need to be in your vehicle at all times. So the very first thing is in an emergency, you probably won't be able to stop and get fuel. So if a fire is looking at your heels, you're not going to have time. And if the power is out, most gas stations can't operate the pumps and you can't get gas. So unless they have a really high power generator and of course, your debit and credit cards aren't going to work and go through a lot of times if the power is down as well. So always, always keep a half a tank of gas or diesel in your vehicle. You never run out of fuel this way, so no stranded on the side of the road because you ran out of fuel. And if you have to leave in the middle of the night, because where I live, the closest 24-hour gas station is over 30 plus miles away, you're not going to be left stranded. So number one thing. Just keep a half a tank of gas or fuel always in your vehicle. The second thing is shelter. So if you're stranded on the side of the road, you need to keep warm if it's cold out or you need to be able to shade yourself if it's hot out. And a blanket will actually provide both. So your best bet is wool. Wool will still keep you warm even if it's pouring down rain, which is really important if you live in a wet area or you're going into winter time or even snow. It might be a little bit itchy, but wool is superior for warmth. And this is so true. Um, it was like a year ago, I went on a winter horse ride with one of my good friends. She um, has pack horses and is a phenomenal horsewoman. And so we were going up in the mountains for a ride. And it was um, freezing temperatures, not too bad. It wasn't snowing, but it was definitely cold out. And I had on just a pair of regular <coughs> gloves. I did not have wool gloves. And we hadn't even, I hadn't even got my horse all the way saddled yet to get out to go on the ride. And my fingers were getting stiff and I was trying to tighten this cinch. And so she had an extra pair of wool gloves and she's like, what are you doing wearing those? And she hands me her wool, the extra pair of wool gloves. And I put them on and immediately 
Now, they were basically the same weight, same style of gloves and everything, but hers were wool and mine weren't. And immediately, I could feel the warmth returning to my fingers. So wool is just superior when you're outdoors to any anything that's synthetic. So I highly recommend wool. If you have a wool blanket, you can wrap up in it to keep your body heat in. And then it's also really important, too, because your ground, and if your vehicle is broke down and you're stranded, you probably might be sitting on the ground or if you have to go out on foot. But if you sit or lay down on the ground, the ground is a conductor. So if it's cold, it's going to pull your body heat out and make you colder if you're laying on the ground. So you want to be able to insulate yourself away from the ground so that it doesn't take your body heat out and make you colder faster. So the wool is going to be fabulous for that. And then also if it's hot out, then you've got that wool blanket and you can prop it up and you can create some shade for yourself. So for getting wool blankets, check a military surplus store. We have a pawn shop that also carries military surplus in the town that I work at. And I was able to get one there and a decent sized one too that I just keep in the trunk of my car for $20. And I really try to shop local when I can. But if you don't have a military surplus or you don't have an area to get a wool blanket, um, I found a really good one on Amazon that was less than 18 bucks. So one tip though, whenever you wash wool, so if you're going to, you know, use a blanket or you want to wash it every so often, don't ever dry wool products in the dryer. Just use the line dry because it really, they shrink and they become misshapen and the wool breaks down and the dryer is not your friend with wool. <laughs> and then another item, if you don't have a wool blanket or to put in there addition with, depending on the size of your trunk, is a small tarp. A small tarp is a, a really good idea for shelter. And then a lot of the Mylar blankets that you see, the um, they're really thin and they're going to rip easy. And I don't know about you, but when I invest money into my preparedness or emergency items, I don't want something that's going to rip on the first use because that kind of makes it ineffective. And I don't want something that I have to keep replacing because if I buy something that's really cheap and I have to keep replacing it, then in the long run, it's more expensive if I had just bought in something a little bit higher quality. So there's a space all-weather blanket, and I have links to all of this in the show notes. Um, so you can go to melissaknorris.com and click on the podcast button. And this is the eight items you need in your car. So you can click on that and get the full transcription with all of the links to everything. So number three on the list is water. You should keep some bottled water in your trunk, but be sure to rotate it out and check it during the winter if it's freezing solid, because sometimes if it freeze solid and then thaws and freeze solids a lot, the plastic can get a tear in it or, you know, get a crack and you see you don't want water leaking all over. So you might want to put the plastic water bottles in a bag. So if it does get a leak in, it, it's not going to go all over your car. Now, I always fill my stainless steel water bottle up and take it with me whenever I leave the house, but you're going to want extra reserves in your trunk or the back seat of your truck if you don't have a canopy, if you don't have a trunk, um, if you just have a, a truck. Boy, trunk, truck, that sounds alike there. <laughs> so anyhow, after a water bottle or with it, you definitely should have a water filtering system. This way, if you have to leave your vehicle or run out of water before help comes, you have a way to safely drink from a nearby water source. So where I live, our roads follow the river and there's lots of creeks and smaller bodies of water near the roadways. I personally own a life straw. It's a lightweight enough that it doesn't weigh you down because if you do have to walk, this is important. You don't want a lot of weight. And it also comes as a standalone filter or it comes in a water bottle. So the water bottle with the filter is good if you have to walk away from the water source and you're not traveling alongside the river for the whole way. But they filter out 99.9% of all of the pathogens and bacteria in the water. 
So they're definitely something we keep one in each vehicle and then we have some for at home use too. So number four is food and water is the very most important. But if you get stranded with kids, then you're going to know how important it is to have something for them to eat if they're hungry, even big kids, aka adults. (laughs) I recommend some dried fruits and nuts. They're lightweight and they're not going to go rancid quickly. So that's important. Just like anything, we're going to want to rotate the food and water out every so often. And we'll get into that deeper into the 30-day preparedness challenge. So we'll have posts coming up on that more. And even though I love chocolate, especially Theo brand chocolate, pure chocolate melts. And you don't want something that's going to melt all over your car. At least I don't. I've accidentally left a bar in my purse and then left it in the car, which I shouldn't have left my purse in the car. But anyways, it came back (laughs) and it was melted all over. So I don't recommend pure chocolate bars because they are going to get everywhere. Sealed energy bars are another great option for on the go and keeping in your trunk. Uh, You see a lot of people recommend candy bars. Now, if you're diabetic or have someone with low blood sugar issues, then having candy is a good idea so that that can keep their blood sugars up if they go, if they crash. Um, Personally, though, I would rather have something that's going to give my body fuel and not just a sugar rush and then crash. But just make sure that you have some type of food source in your vehicle. Number five is walking shoes. So when I go to work, I work at the pharmacy, I'm not wearing tennis shoes and I'm not wearing hiking boots. And you're probably not either, depending on what kind of job that you have or, you know, what you're wearing when you're in the car. In the summer, a lot of us wear flip-flops or sandals. But if I get stuck alongside the road on the way home from work, I'm going to need some kind of footwear that's going to let me cover some terrain if I have to walk. So keeping an extra pair of hiking or walking shoes, boots in your vehicle with a pair of a wool blend hiking sock. So that's important. You got to make sure you have the right socks with the shoes. Um, is really going to be beneficial to you if you have to go out on foot. Number six on our list is fire starter. So you need a way to stay warm, especially in the cooler climates like we are here in the Pacific Northwest. So hypothermia It occurs most often actually between 30 and 50 degrees, and obviously it's going to happen faster if you're below freezing, but many people really underestimate that range between 30 and 50 degrees. If it's in the 40s out, they don't think about hypothermia, and that's where that can come in, sneak up on you, and get really dangerous. So there's a lot, and I mean a lot of different options to starting fires, how to do it, safety measures, how to keep your fire going, fuel sources, fire starters, ways to start the fire. So we're going to have an entire fire post, and I will go into this much more deeper. So just for now, have some kind of way to start a fire, you know, be it a lighter, some matches, preferably in a waterproof container. But know that we're going to dive into this a lot deeper um, as we go into the 30-day prep challenge. So that will be coming soon. So number seven, and this is important, is a light source. When it gets dark, you're going to want light. It can also help you signal for help, and it's going to allow rescue workers to find you easier. So a flashlight is always a good option, but be sure and pack extra batteries with it. And most times you can find these little LED flashlights, and I have a link to one in the show notes. It'll hook right onto your keychain. So that's never a bad idea because most people, especially if you're in the vehicle, you know where your keys are. And that'll allow you to find your other gear if it's in the trunk and it's super dark out. And I always like to never have all my eggs in one basket, and I kind of prefer to have extra light sources. You never know when a bulb's going to go out, burn out, or, you know, something's going to go funky on it. So another option, and this is also waterproof. It's extremely small, lightweight, portable, but it truly puts off a decent amount of light, 
And they're these really cool solar powered bag lights. They're called Illuminate solar lights. So we use ours camping. I have two that we just keep in our camper and in case of power outages. So there's no need for backup batteries. We've had ours going on two years now. And what's really awesome is they're waterproof. So they can actually be submerged in water and they'll float on water. And did I mention that they put off 16 hours of light from just one charge? So they're really cool. And I highly recommend having extras for for when the power goes out, but they're great to have in your rig too. The only caveat is, is you do kind of have to keep them charged. So I would put one in there, maybe rotate it out, but have a flashlight as your backup. But then if you're, you know, you can set it, you can set it in the back window to let it charge, you know, when you're driving and that kind of a thing too, but they're really cool. So I just had to toss those out there to you. So number eight on my list is a pocket knife. Now a knife can come in handy in so many different ways. They're small, they're lightweight, and it's something you should definitely have in your car. So a Swiss Army knife, again, just like the little LED flashlights, you can get them to go on your keychain. And they have multiple tools. Plus, I found one that comes in different colors, which I know it doesn't matter from a preparedness standpoint, but I am just girly enough that I want to pick my own color. Now, you're probably going to want a slightly bigger blade too, but you still want something that folds up because you do not want to be traveling with an exposed blade. And if you have kids like I do, I don't want an exposed blade that can't be closed or covered up in my vehicle. I mean, my kids are pretty good and we go over things, but just to be on the safe side. So I found one that's pretty sturdy and it has a decent blade on it, meaning you can actually, you know, cut some things under and it's under 10 bucks. And again, you get to pick your color. So I kind of like that too, because when I like to buy gear for the family, then that way everybody has a different color. And that's great because then my kids can't fight over who's who's. Now, obviously... Um, use some common sense judgment on if your child is old enough and mature enough to handle a knife. So just putting that disclaimer out there. So these are what I consider the most basic of basic items to carry at all times in your car. And we're discussing in the comments of things um, to add in or that other people have found really helpful to carry in their car. And there are some great suggestions in the comments. One is a just a basic first aid kit awesome. Um, there's some other good suggestions. So I encourage you to pop over to MelissaKNorris.com podcast button, eight items to have in your car. Now, like I said, these are the most basic of basic items, and we're going to be discussing what to have in a bug out bag. And if you have never heard the term bug out bag before, um, a bug out bag is basically a bag that you keep in your home that's packed and ready to go at a moment's notice of, of essential important things. And so we're going to go over what you would want to have in that bag, what we think is important and all of that kind of stuff. And so the reason that you would have something like that is, like I said, in case of an evacuation where you just had moments to leave your home that you wouldn't be, you know, freaking out and not knowing what to get. So they have a common term that people use is bug out bag. So if you didn't know what that was, that's all that is. And I really do want to go over a verse of the week this week with this, because a lot of times When you start talking about being prepared for emergencies or survival type situations, fear tends to be a big driving factor for people or it tends to be really pushed um, in in some of the, you know, articles and and websites or, or things like that. And that was one of the things that I really wanted to stress that when we started this 30 day preparedness challenge and anything that I have on my website, I am not a big fear monger, fear pusher person. Um, quite frankly, there is enough fear in the world without me or anybody else adding to it. And so um, I was reading, it's really funny. This has probably happened to you. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But 
I tend to notice that God will really put certain verses when I need them. And so I had this section that I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 12, and we're going to be starting in 22 and going through 26. But so it was on my daily devotional. It was one of the Bible verses in my daily devotional for the day. And then it was also the Bible verse that my pastor preached on. And so I'm like, okay, I think this is an important verse and we're going to put it in here. And it's one that I have, you know, um, a lot of people are familiar with and we come back to, but it's really one that I want you to really take to heart and think about. And I think really sets the tone as we, you know, move in to this preparedness challenge. And so it is Luke chapter 12 and it's do not worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And I love that because really what does worrying do for us? Nothing. It, it doesn't fix anything. It just makes things worse. Yet we are so prone to worry. I know I'm not the only one and I will, I'll catch myself. And so I will, you know, um, really work on remembering this verse. And that's why memorizing scripture I'm finding is so, so important. So that when things pop up in life unexpected or you catch yourself doing things that you can refute that with scripture instead and replace those worried thoughts in your mind with the promises of God. So I am really looking forward to this journey with you guys. And if you haven't signed up, you can do so um, on this podcast. And then you can get the 30-day preparedness challenge each day, each morning uh, at 5 a.m. You'll get the email straight to your inbox. So thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk with you soon. Bye.